Uh, check it out. Just a couple weeks ago, our church staff uh, got together with some of the church staff over at our sending church in Holland just for an opportunity for us to get together and get to know each other a little bit. And one of the ways we did that was go around the group and share something that you're passionate about. So when it got to my turn, I thought, you know what, I'm going to see what uh, our staff says about me instead of answering the question myself. What would they say that I'm passionate about? And they quickly came up with two things, board games and liquid cheese. All right. Uh, not a great list to be defined by, I think. I mean, they're, they're spot on. They're not wrong. So uh, I do enjoy board games. I like to play those uh, a lot, uh, especially... Um, even though my, my wife, whenever she plays with me, she beats me all the time. Uh, and I am the, uh, the proud founder of the official TLC board game club that meets here uh, once a month. So come and join us sometime. Um, also, for my 40th birthday, I was gifted a commercial-grade nacho cheese dispenser. And uh, <clears throat> so I can have access to liquid cheese whenever my heart desires. And friends, let me tell you, it is glorious, okay? It is really glorious. I know how about how healthy it is, but it's glorious. But if you got to know me a little bit more, you would know that I'm also passionate about things like good books, video games, Star Wars, jogging, hiking, biking, the color mustard yellow, and tacos, and chips and salsa, and all these other things, and I'm an introvert. I like being alone. Maybe you do too. I have some people out there. It doesn't matter whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. We all fall somewhere on that scale. Maybe you find that you are somewhere even in the middle of that scale. It doesn't really matter what side you fall on. The reality is that we all need relationships with other people in our lives because lone wolves die, hence the t-shirt. Okay, now this is the last value that we get to teach through in this series, and I would like to point out that no other value that we've taught on so far has its own theme t-shirt, okay, so I do think that I get some bonus points for that. But when we talk about lone wolves die, it's not just a value for us as a church, it's also a warning, and it's also a reminder for us that we need to be working towards community that flows from healthy relationships, you see, over the last two to three decades, we live in a world that has become increasingly lonely. Do you feel that? I know I feel that. We have a culture that offers us more and more ways to become distracted. I think this quote sums it up pretty well. In the last three decades, three network television stations have morphed into hundreds of digital channels. A handful of reading formats like newspapers, books, and magazines have given birth to a new media like e-readers or websites, forums, and social media, blogs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. We can now record and stream just about anything we want on demand. We have digital passes. We have massive multiplayer online gaming, tablets, and smartphones. We have access to more content and information than anyone could hope to absorb or assimilate. So much demands our attention that as a culture, we are experiencing an epidemic of distraction. An epidemic of distraction. Do you feel that? Right? I feel that. Our attention spans are becoming shorter. 
right? We want everything, all of our information, 140 characters or less, right? We don't even read the article anymore. We just read the headline of the article and then we move on, okay? We flip through our feeds fast just so that we can get through them and get to the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. Virtually every aspect of our lives receives less dedicated attention and focus than it did two decades ago. And I love technology. I, I, I like all those things, but even with all the technology at our, finger, our fingertips that has really allowed us to connect with people, we find ourselves being more lonely than ever before. There's a research group called the Barna Group that reported that in the early 2000s, just 12% of people reported being lonely. And that number has grown today to be just over 20% of people who report being lonely. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. We all live in a world that has become more connected and yet more separated. And you add to the fact that in the last few years, we uh, went through a pandemic together that had forced us to be separated, and it taught us that socially, it's not good or healthy to be alone. We realized through that even that people need people. So it's no surprise that lone wolves die. The dictionary defines a lone wolf as someone who prefers to work, act, or live alone. So note that word there, alone. Okay, if you're an introvert like me, you hear that word, it's like music to your ears. You're like, oh yeah, I get to be alone. But if you don't like that, you want to do everything you can to not be alone. But uh, here's your National Geographic uh, information about wolves for the morning. Wolves are highly social and live in packs. However, not all packs, or not all wolves stay with the same pack their entire lives. Young adult wolves who end up leaving the pack do so to find their own territory, to find their own mate, or to form their own pack. The goal is always to return to the pack. The goal is always to return to the pack. You see, even as animals, wolves know that the pack is where they find life to the fullest. It provides all of their needs. And as humans, we are no different. We were not meant to be alone. We were designed to be in relationship with others. We were literally formed and fashioned by God to need community at our deepest levels. One of the reasons that we know that is found in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open that up with me this morning? We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 right at the beginning. We're going to look at some passages of Scripture there. I'm not looking at a lot of Scripture this morning, but I do want to talk about some theology with you uh, together. So as we go through that, go ahead and open up your Bibles, and we'll take a look here. At the start, we have God creating all things. Land and sea and birds and plants and animals and, and everything that he created... He saw that it was, he saw that it was good. That's right. Everything he created was good except for spiders because we know that those are terrifying and disgusting. Yeah. See, it's true. I know. I don't, I don't understand it. Let's start reading in verse 24. <clears throat> verse 24 says this, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground. And the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground 
according to their kinds. And God saw that it was? And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So do you see the shift there? God creates plants and animals and birds and all according to their kinds. But when he gets to humans, we're different from all of the rest of creation. Verse 27 says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, we were created. Now, that's a hard concept to grasp. I don't care if you're new to Christianity or if you've been a a follower of Jesus for most of your life. That's a hard concept to grasp. Being made in the image of God doesn't mean that we were created with physical bodies to look like God. It doesn't mean it's a physical thing. Being made in the image of God means that we reflect God's unique characteristics, things like love and self-awareness in justice, in mercy, in grace, things that the rest of creation weren't given. And part of being made in that image means that we were created to be relational. We were formed out of relationship for relationship, okay? We were created for relationship because we were created out of relationship. And we know this because God is community. We call this the Trinity, Okay? Theologians say it like this. They say God is one and yet he is also three. All right? That's another hard concept to grasp. But God is one essence and he's expressed in three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the Trinity. And for all of time, God has existed in that perfect united relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this relationship, they work together to love each other, to care for each other, and to serve each other. And we were made in the image of God, so we were created to be in relationship. And that means relationships that are not superficial, but sacrificial. Relational is who we are because that's who God is. And not much further in Genesis, if we keep reading, we find that God created man, but he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created woman so that they could be together and they could navigate life together. Now, the point here isn't that God's desire for everyone is that they would get married and find a spouse someday. That's not the point. In fact, in the New Testament, we know that singleness is also a gift from God and a path for some to go on. That's not the point. The point is that God himself said it is not good to be alone. See, we were created for relationships. We were designed to be with others. And so if lone wolves die, and if that's true, then my question for us this morning is who's in your wolf pack? Right? Who are those people that you have in your life, and do you have the right people in them? So you all have a handout. I'd love for us to take some notes on that this morning. Why don't you grab that, and we're going to fill out some of that this morning. As we go about our lives... We interact with people across four spaces. This is that first fill in the blank on the left. Four different spaces of belonging. Some years ago, I found the book, The Search to Belong by Joseph Myers, and it's really helped me understand how we navigate these relational spaces in our life. 
You see, we often think about community as the people in our lives that are the closest to us and they know the most about us and that's where we really have community. And while that's true in certain ways, the reality is that we actually need a variety of relationships across four different spaces of belonging. Public, social, personal, and intimate. And I'm gonna unpack those for us this morning. And as I do that, go ahead and take some notes and I'd love for you to consider what this looks like for you and how this plays out in your life, okay? So the first space is called the public space, and this is the largest space. The public space is where we connect through a common experience. We connect through a common experience. And this space looks different for everyone, and it really can hold an unlimited number of relationships inside of it. This space isn't really concerned about connecting person to person. It's more about connecting over that common experience or that shared interest that you have. This is easy. Think about a football game. Okay, you're in that arena with thousands of people, other fans around you. You don't know everybody's name. You don't know everybody on a personal level. But in that space and for that time, you are together. You are a community and you share a bond together. Okay? How many of you knew what... uh, Last Thursday was this week. Star Wars Day. Look, that was so fast. It was Star Wars Day. (laughs) Nice. If you knew what last Thursday was, okay, you are my people. All right? You know what's going on with that. And for those of you who don't know, last Thursday was Star Wars Day. It was May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Okay, it's really nerdy, I know. Okay, uh, so that space could look different for you. That could be uh, a a sports team. It could be a band. It could be a a PTA meeting. It could be the grocery store. Uh, What space is that space for you? For us as a church, the public space is what we're doing right now. Okay, that's our gathering. When we come together as the body of Christ to gather on a Sunday morning, this is how we worship together. We share that experience of worshiping and prayer and opening up scripture and being together. And we need these kind of spaces in our life. We need these kind of connections because they help us belong. So in the public space, we need a lot of relationships there because it's one of the easiest places for us to connect and to find belonging. So in your box, maybe you write down uh, these places for you. Maybe you have some names. Names aren't as important in this space as the places. Uh, For me, I would put down my gym. I would go and work out there. It's a public space. I work out with a group of people that I don't know everybody's name. Okay, I I could put down Jason's name. I know Jason. Uh, I don't know anything else about Jason. When we show up to work out, we're like, hey, hey, Jason, and then we work out, and then that's it. Like, I don't know anything else about him, okay? Uh, The public space can hold unlimited Jasons, but the rest of the spaces cannot. The next space is called the social space. Social belonging is the space where we connect by sharing snapshots of who we are. We connect by sharing snapshots of who we are. And this space can probably hold anywhere between 50 to 100 people in it. And the social space is important because it's a space where we craft and form an identity or a definition of who we are. And then we share it, present it to other people, and they do the same back to us. 
So these are your neighbors. These are the friends that you would have in your life. Maybe people that you would consider close enough to be friends, but maybe you don't know really anything below the surface or uh, about them. And that's fine. The social space is also important because we, we do some sorting in this space. We, we determine whether the people in the space uh, need to move out of it or if they need to move further in and, and become closer to us. Uh, I, one of my first roles in ministry uh, was as a youth pastor, and uh, we had a lot of adult leaders that would help us out in our youth ministry. And one of the first uh, adult leaders that I met, whose name was Roy. And Roy was this single, older guy who had a crazy, fun personality. And he would go uh, with us to retreats and to missions trips and small groups and events and things like that. And for seven years, Roy was in my social space, okay? We were friends, but we didn't really know each other a whole lot deeper than that. In fact, Roy even lived a handful of houses down from me. But after I moved out of that role, and I actually moved out of that house, uh, Roy moved out of that social space for me. And that's okay. We can move people in and out of these spaces. For the last few years, I would stand on the corner at the bus stop with my daughter, waiting for the bus in the morning, with about five to six other parents and their children, and we would just chat about some real basic surfacey type of stuff, you know, and just kind of chat and get to know each other a little bit. I don't hang out with a lot of those people. I don't know them any deeper than that, but I, I have that social connection with them as a neighbor, and I like that I have that. For us as a church, this space, this social space, looks like a dinner for 12, Okay, something like that. It looks like a dinner for 12. It looks like maybe the mom's uh, walking group that gets together or maybe the board game club, you know, if you would. So stuff like that. Sometimes social space in our church looks like a small group. And sometimes even a Sunday morning is a social space. I know I just said that it was a public space, but for some it overlaps and it becomes a social space. For instance, when you serve on uh, uh, one of our serve teams in the morning, like if you're on the hospitality team, that is also a social space for us, and we need those spaces. Uh, so think about those places where you interact with others, maybe like a restaurant, or a bowling alley, you go jogging, your work environment, any, anywhere that you're sharing that kind of information and you have friends, and, and maybe those friends are just kind of at that level and, and it's never going to go deeper than that, and everybody's cool with it. We need these relationships in these social spaces because they allow us to share these common experiences with the benefit of friendship and the ability to have someone know who we are. We need people to know information about us, to know bits and pieces about us without having the pressure to share every single detail about who we are. Okay, the next space is the personal space. The personal space is where we connect by sharing private but not naked information about us, our experiences, our feelings, and our thoughts. And here you only have room for about, I don't know, five to 12 people. We call the relationships in this space our close friends. We call these our best friends. Okay, these are the people who know your faults, you know theirs, and you accept each other anyway. This is the group of people that you would probably normally think of when you think about community. These are the people who have your back, who would support you and care for you and love you, 
no matter what you're going through, that if you were in need, they would drop everything to come and help you out. These are those kinds of people. You see, in the social space, we can have lots of different relationships because those friendships are really easy to maintain. But in the personal space, we have fewer because it takes more time, it takes more work, and it takes more effort. And just because you've known somebody for a long period of time, multiple years, doesn't mean that they automatically belong in this personal space. For me, I've had friends uh, who I've known for decades who don't belong in this personal space for me, even family members, extended family, that I would not put in this space, and that's okay. For our church, personal space ideally looks like a small group. Our local groups are one of the best places for you to find this type of community, to find these type of people who care for you and who would love you and support you in all the ways that we find biblical community, care, challenge, and support. Not every small group that we have here at church is that personal space. Maybe not everybody who's even in your small group is in your personal space, and that's okay, but ideally they would be. I have a handful of guys in my life that are in this space for me. These are guys that know me, that I love, that I trust, uh, that would support me, and I would do the same for them. So who's in that space for you? Finally, there's the intimate space. Very few relationships are intimate. The intimate space is where you share naked but not unhindered thoughts, feelings, and experiences. Okay, this doesn't mean naked like physically, but emotionally and informationally and spatially, okay, there is a depth to these type of relationships that is deeper than anything else. These people know your faults. They know you completely transparently, and they're unashamed about that, okay? Typically, we can hold one to maybe two people in this space, and if you have a spouse, this is probably where your spouse belongs. For some of you, they, they're not there, and they should be there, okay? This is where you have a, a spouse. Maybe you can fit another person in that space, but that's really about it. These types of relationships just take a lot more time and effort. And sometimes we think that that's better. We look at this type of relationship and we think, well, that's the ultimate form of a relationship. But that's not true. We were, we were kind of taught as we grew up, like, the less you know about somebody, the worse it is. And the more you know about somebody, the better. And so maybe through life, you're like, well, I get to know this person. I just want to get them to shift into this space for me, this personal space, this intimate space, because that's where it's better. But that's not true. Think about all the relationships that you have in your life. Think about your relationship with your uh, barista at Starbucks, okay, or your banker or your coach, would all these relationships be better if they were at that intimate level? Could we even sustain all those relationships if they were at that intimate level? I don't think we could. And so for us as a church, this space is also where your relationship with God belongs. Okay, God is the one who knows you fully. He knows you completely and he offers you more than anybody else could ever possibly do. God belongs in that intimate space. And so maybe the question for you this morning is, is God in my intimate space? Or is he in my public space or my social space or my personal space? Do you have anyone that you can be fully and completely transparent with? So these are the four different spaces of relationships that we find throughout our life. 
And the point isn't that we need to find more people to put in these relationships and fill them up with more people, but it's to find the right people for them. Right? Some of you have the right relational spaces, but you have the wrong people in them. And that can happen when we allow unhealthy or toxic people into our lives, or we fill these spaces with people who are pulling us away from God instead of bringing us closer to God. I don't know exactly where this comes from, but I've heard it said that you become the average of your five closest friends. Think about that for you and what that would look like. Are those people the ones who are bringing you closer to God because they're the ones who are really shaping you and forming you. Jenny Allen wrote a book called Find Your People. And in fact, this last summer, we had a group of ladies that went through this as a study, and it was a really awesome experience. And in this book, she talks about the power of finding the right people for your life and for these spaces and how they can bring you closer to God, how relationships in community actually form and shape our spiritual growth. And she offers five different tips of how to find the right people. She talks about proximity, transparency, accountability, similarity, and consistency. And these really apply to finding those people mostly like in that personal space, okay? Maybe sometimes in the social space, but I'm talking mostly for those five to 12 that are in your personal space. So let me go through these briefly. Proximity is distance matters, Okay, distance matters. Who is close by you, right? When you have somebody who's close enough to just jump in the car uh, or walk over to your house, then you can do more with them than somebody who lives far away. It's not rocket science, right? That's why long-distance relationships often are a challenge. Why is that? Because you just can't jump in the car and go grab coffee with somebody and it makes it more challenging. We need people in our lives who are just close by us, close enough to grab coffee, to go shopping, to go out to dinner because we have more options to build those relationships. Transparency. Transparency means we offer and we give trust. Transparent relationships are relationships without walls. If you're looking for the right people, look for people in your life that you can let your walls down with. These relationships take a lot of trust, right? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take off my mask. I'm going to take off my false self. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be transparent with you, and you're going to be transparent back to me. Accountability. Let people that you love tell you when you are wrong and receive it. Okay, the right people will tell you when you're wrong with love and you're going to receive it even when it hurts because you know that they're right. These are the people that can speak truth to you in love. These are the people that can say the hard things that you need to hear. And maybe you have the wrong people if you have nobody in your life who can say hard things to you because you just get offended all the time. You need to find the right people who can challenge you in love and help shape you and form you in that way. Similarity, who already shares your same purpose, desires, and drives? Who's already walking that path with you that shares common passions with you and going in that same direction already? For me, I've, I found a lot of people in my personal space 
have come from the work that I've done in ministry. And that's because the people that I'm linking arms with, we're going in the same direction. We're headed towards the same things. That's one of the reasons why Torrin is in my personal space. Okay, we've worked together for 19 years in ministry. Now, does that mean that we have all the same things in common or that we like all the same things? No, but that doesn't matter because we share this passion and drive that is at our core and it takes us deeper. The last thing is consistency. Okay, it takes time to build relationships. This is probably the most important factor in finding the right people for your life. Finding the right people means consistency over time, through hurt, and in one place. Right? Time forms relationships. Why is my relationship with my wife so intimate? It's because we spend time together. We put a lot of time together. You need to find people who will be consistent with you, even when things get messy, even when things get ugly. One of my best friendships is formed through time. I met Justin when we were freshmen in college, and for two years after that, we lived together in the dorms, okay? And dorm life is, is crazy, and we spent a lot of time together doing that. We worked on campus together. Uh, we shared a lot of experiences like that together. And then even after he moved away, I was able to uh, reconnect with him and bring him back. We worked in ministry for four years together at a church, just in each other's lives daily. We do a lot of things together. Our families still go on vacation together every summer, and that relationship was formed over time, and it was consistent. So look for people that you can be consistent with. So this week, I just hope that you will maybe take this sheet, that you will take it back with you, and that you would think about these spaces, and what they look like for you in your life, who's in those spaces, and maybe just pull it out as you are spending some time with God this week. Pull this out and just pray and say, God, do I have the right people in my life? People that I can be real with. People that I can form authentic community with. And if you don't, then maybe you need to start doing some work to find those right people. Maybe God will reveal to you that you have some wrong people in your spaces that you might need to work on figuring out what to do with them because they're keeping you from growing in the Lord. The enemy's goal is to create division and separate us, to keep us from being in community. And scripture is full of different ways that talks about the beauty of togetherness, right? It says our iron sharpens iron. It says that we're, we're in together in community that it, we encourage each other in our faith. That we're different parts of a body that's a whole body that is full and intact, right? We need each other. People need people. And as I was working on this message this week, I thought about the relationships that I have in my life. And for me, I recognize that I probably need to be more active in pursuing some of those relationships that I have in my personal spaces. I have relationships in that space that I'm thankful for, that I know that God has given me. But I know that I often come to those relationships on my terms, and I expect those people to meet me there instead of being intentional about giving them the time that they need and being the kind of friend that I would also desire. And so I need to probably work on that. I need to pray through that. I also found for me that in my intimate space, I have my wife and I have God there, but I don't have anybody else in there right now. And I need to pray about what that looks like for me. I know the power of accountability and I know the beauty that that can bring into my life, but I don't have anybody else in that space right now. So I'm gonna pray about that. What does that look like for you? These are some great questions for you to consider this week 
as we think about this. This is one of our values, that people need people. We need to be in relationship with each other. The truth is you're never going to find perfect people to do life with, to do community with, because we're all sinners, right? There's no perfect people out there, but you can find the right people. So choose friends who are going to fight for you, choose friends who are going to fight with you, and choose friends that are as serious about pushing back the darkness as you are. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, as we finish up this series about our values, Lord, I just know that there are people in this room who maybe have the wrong people in these spaces. I know that there's people in this room maybe who have just moved into the city and they don't know anybody else. I know there's people in this room who have been longing for a connection and a relationship on a deeper level, and they're missing that right now. Thank you for the way that you have designed us to be. Thank you for the way that you have created us and formed us to need relationships. And Lord, I pray for us today that, that we would realize the importance of finding the right people in our lives. Thank you for being a good father to us, the one who we can come to in relationship, who knows us fully and completely. I pray for those even here in this room who maybe don't know you yet and you're not in that space for them. I pray for them. Lord, I also just ask that as we go throughout our week that we would recognize these spaces in our life. We were designed to live in authentic community with others. That's how you made us to be. Thank you for that. You are a creative father. And we desire to be more like you. Help us to live out your image well. And Lord, as we worship you today, pray that we would form our life around these things, that we would build our life around the truth of who you are and what you have done for us. Would you help us to be better at that? Thank you for a church. Thank you for a community that we can connect and we can find relationships of meaning in each of these spaces. We love you and we worship you and we give you this time. We pray.